We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Wednesday. That's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. Y'all know who we are. We're going we're gonna to change things up a little bit. Yesterday, I told y'all we would have a defensive art, defensive conversation today. I'm calling an audible, Ryan, because I want to kind of stay on offense this week, cover a few different topics on the offense this week, and then next week we'll focus on the defense and see how that, you know, just kind of dive into that. So what we're going to talk about today is what we were going to discuss tomorrow, which is the position battles, because I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation this spring and in really heading into the fall, because there's a lot of guys that are going to play, but there's battles in regard to, okay, are you one? Are you two? Are you three? There's obviously starting position battles coming out. There's battles that could determine what the personnel groupings are going to be primarily utilized this season, which you know we kind of broke those down yesterday. And and so I think there's a lot. And then who who wins some of these battles, Ryan? And we'll discuss this specifically when we get into each category. Is you know if certain if player A wins this battle, okay, you're good there. But if player B wins this battle, you could be really good because it means a younger guy had a breakout. And that's always one of the fascinating things that you see in the spring is. There's going to be some guy that we're not really going to talk about a lot today that's going to have a great spring, maybe a great fall camp that's going to put himself in position to, to be a guy. And and that's what that's one of the things I love about this time of the year, Ryan, is this is going to be our first chance to see what this 2023 football team is going to look like. And these position battles are one of the more entertaining aspects of really watching this team form. And I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. Well, I think most people are looking most forward to the offensive side of the football, especially, you know, like they have a lot of high expectations for it. And I think the reason that people have so much high expectations is because there's so many possibilities that could happen. You know, we're talking about Notre Dame being four to five deep, maybe even more at running back. You're talking about wide receivers that, that you know, being able to rebuild that depth chart in such a short amount of time and so many different possibilities. You're talking about four to five guys that could potentially be a starting guard for Notre Dame next year. So, I think everyone just in general from a fan perspective is really excited about the offense because it's been a little lackluster offensively, you know, over the last couple of years. I mean, you're coming off a year where you average 31 points per game, right? 
But now you're taking the opportunity where you think that Notre Dame could take a massive jump on the offensive side of the football. That side of the ball obviously sells tickets. We always know that, right? People want to watch touchdowns. They want to see high-scoring games, you know, as long as they're on the right side of it, you know? And I think that that is a really interesting conversation because there's so much potential with the offensive side of the football. But it could look a few different ways, you know? Like, it's not like you know 100% – this is the lineup that's going to be in game one. This is the lineup that's going to be the full season. This is what this player's production output is going to be this year. There's a lot of unknowns, which makes it fun, exciting, but also, you know, it's one of those things where we have to try to figure out some sort of a semblance of understanding because it's going to be exciting regardless. But I think there are a lot of questions as far as who's player one here, who's a, a key role player here, who's a guy that maybe gets phased out a little bit, you know, as far as the the competition for a starting role. All those things are about to unfold in front of us. And I think the offensive side of the football is one that people will have their close eyes on because they're just excited about what Notre Dame could be offensively this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. There's two that we're going to discuss right away, Ryan, and and we're not going to spend as much time on those and for different reasons, and we'll explain why. The first one is quarterback. I I feel like I've I've been torn and back and forth on whether or not I want to even discuss quarterback for a host of reasons. Re- reason number one is uh, I feel like it's almost a bit clickbaity ish to talk about the quarterback position battle and to focus on that this spring, because look, the reality is the Sam Hartman's not being brought to Notre Dame to not start. I mean, that that's just the expectation. And, and I feel like pushing Tyler Buckner into this conversation, it, it's, it's partly, okay, you're just doing that to because quarterback battles sell, right? That's like for me, but then the other part of it is Ryan, is yes, that's what Sam Hartman's being brought here to do, but I'm still a believer in Tyler Buckner's talent and potential, right? And so I'm really torn on how much to even talk about this as a battle. 
And part of, if Tom Maurice was still here, it's no doubt we wouldn't be talking about quarterback at all. But I think the fact that there is a new offensive coordinator and there is a new quarterback, quarterback's coach gives me just a little bit of pause to say, well, what are we going to see from Tyler Buckner? I'll say this, Ryan. I do believe that Sam Hartman is going to be the starting quarterback next year. That's statement number one. But statement number two is, I think Tyler Buckner is too talented to just dismiss as a potential option as well. And if Tyler Buckner's going to have a chance to be the starting quarterback in the fall, it's going to have to happen in the spring. If he doesn't just flat out outplay Sam Hartman from start to finish of this spring, then it's not going to really be a battle in the fall. And it's no different than last year when it was him and Drew Pine. Drew Pine needed to outplay Tyler Buckner the entire spring to even have a chance. And it wasn't even close. You know, according to every source I have inside the program and then my guys like you and Sean and Vince that were at the practices last year. Fortunately, I'll be able to be there myself so I can see it with my own eyes this year. But I just I just so that's where my that's where my concern is, Ryan, is part of me wants to say, look, this is going to be the starter. But then I just feel like, but man, I'm writing off a kid that I think has loads of talent. And I'm and I'm really curious to see what Tyler Buckner's attitude is going to be like this. But I don't mean attitude isn't like, you know, he's going to have a good attitude, bad attitude, just like. Does he kind of say, okay, this is going to be my learning year and I'm going to learn and take advantage of that? Or does he come in and say, screw that. I don't want to learn right now. I want to battle and compete. And uh, I'm hoping that he wants to battle and compete because I think it's going to make him better. I think it's going to make Sam Hartman better. But that's why kind of quarterback is just one that I'm having a hard time determining just how much I want to talk about it because it, it we do think we have an idea of who the starter is going to be. It's going to take something extraordinary for that, him not to be that guy. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I'm going to be watching is, you know, obviously you want to see Sam Hartman developing the chemistry with the wide receivers and taking command of the huddle and, you know, learning the offense, all that great stuff. But I mean, my biggest thing that I want to see, and, and you kind of hit on a little bit, is that I want to see how Tyler Buckner responds to this. You know, I want to see how he responds to this competition because he's coming off a year where he was the starting quarterback. You know, every game that he played in, he started for Notre Dame. And if he didn't get hurt, this might be a completely different situation right now that he would be sitting in. But unfortunately for Tyler, injuries happen. It happens. And now you're in a different situation. And now it's all about how you respond. It really is. And it's not even so much as responding to trying to win the starting job, which I'm sure Tyler is going to be up for. It's going to be how you respond in a day-in and day-out setting of understanding that, hey, man, we're in a competition but I also need to understand that like, I need to get better, right? Like not even get better just to win the starting job, but like I lost development time. I need to get to that point because this isn't the end potentially for Tyler Buckner at Notre Dame. If he doesn't win the starting job, there's still time, right? right. Like this isn't an end all be all one shot and you're done type of situation, but Tyler needs to make up for some lost time. Right. And he needs to be pushed by Sam Hartman. He needs to push Sam Hartman, but he needs to understand that like, Hey man, I need to control what I can control. I need my self-growth every single day. And if the chips fall in my favor at the end, then the chips fall in my favor at the end. But at least I know that I didn't shy away from that competition because that is so important at the quarterback position that you need to have a young man that is willing to say, I don't care who's around me, man. I don't care what you're going to do. I'm going to take care of myself day in and day out, be the best version of myself and lead this offense when I get my opportunity. Because you kind of feel like, there was there was these things that would kind of linger last year that people would say, well, you know, Drew Pine's the real leader of this group and Tyler's this and Tyler's that. And not that he wasn't respected by his teammates, but he just was a different kind of cat. 
I feel like if Tyler comes out here this spring and just battles his butt off, not only does it make him better and Sam Hartman better, but I feel like that's something that could kind of win over his teammates a little bit. Not that he needs to win him over like they don't like him, but win him over as in, you know, hey, this guy's this guy's a warrior. This guy's one of us, right? Which, from what I've been told, is he, he he's a bit of a shy, quiet kid off the field, you know, spends more time with his girlfriend, and the, which is totally fine. I mean, heck, I would have been that way if I had a girlfriend in college too. I Luckily for me, I was wise enough to avoid that during football season. But, um, you know, it just I think it's one of those things could really sort of help him win over his teammates to a degree. Yeah. And I think that's part of it, too. But the other the other thing, too, Ryan, is, you know, we're sitting here talking about this guy's the projected starter and we expect him to be the starter. And, and I do, I fully anticipate Sam Hartman to not only be the starter, but to have a phenomenal year at Notre Dame this year. I really do. But here's the other reality of that. He's not the most talented quarterback on the roster. He's not Tyler Buckner is. And so those are the aspects of it. You look at uh, Ryan and you say, if Tyler hits his peak, this becomes a, an, a really interesting conversation. No question. Because the, the point about the injury that's important, Ryan is, he didn't just get injured this year. He's missed basically – he's played one full season of football in five years. That's it as a starting quarterback. That's it. And so he's lost a lot of development time. So you want him to have that I'm going to battle mentality, but my hope is coming out of the spring, if he isn't the guy, that he understands this is just part of the process. Stay, be engaged. Be ready for your time whenever that time comes. Take this opportunity as one to say, hey, I'm going to, I need to learn. I need to improve. I need to enhance this part of the game because not only was he the starter in every game he played in last year, but he's coming off a game where he was accounted for five touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, he played really, really well. And I think to your point, Ryan, and, and we've said this before, if, if he doesn't get hurt last year, I don't think we're talking about Sam Hartman being in this conversation. I think the quarterback they would have brought in would have been somebody to kind of, battle for a depth piece that's what i think we'd be talking about we'd be talking about more of like what ucla did with the kid that they got you know where it's like he may be the guy until dante moore's ready but he's not bring being brought in to do the same things for ucla as what tyler as what sam hartman is being brought in to do for notre dame right and i think that's that's absolutely the the the, the, the part of this conversation is going to be very interesting so but again I, I do anticipate sam hartman being the guy i think he's a talented player I think he is a a guy that you put the talent around him that he'll have at Notre Dame this year at every position. Like he wasn't throwing to bums last year. Like Sam Hartman's thrown to some good football players. You know, I'm a huge A.T. Perry fan. I'm also a big Donovan Green fan. I think he's raw, but I love that kid's potential. I liked him because Notre Dame actually recruited him a little bit when he was coming out. He was more of a basketball player in high school that was kind of learning to play wide receiver. He's a kid that I like a lot. So he was thrown to some really good players, but He's just going to have so many more of them at Notre Dame. And then he's going to have tight ends and running backs and offensive line and a better defense and all that. And so those are the things you look for. So I, I do anticipate Sam Hartman being the quarterback, but I'm very curious to see what if Tyler Buckner makes it interesting at all for him, because I do think that would be good for Sam Hartman. I, I really do. And I think it'd be good for the team to see Tyler go out there and compete in battle. So when his time is called, whether it's at some point in time next year, should Sam Hartman get injured, which I hope doesn't happen, or should it be in 2024 that he he's ready and he's made himself a better player? Because if Tyler Buckner can learn from Sam Hartman, 
about reading defenses and foot and the importance of footwork and timing and those type of things. And then you add that to his God-given ability and his guts, which he showed a ton of guts in the South Carolina game. That kid's got a chance to be special. And that hasn't changed because of the injuries. It's just the injuries have made you – you can't just assume it's going to happen. That's really where we're at. The next discussion, Ryan, is running back. And here's where a position we're not going to really discuss today. Because at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. And, and I know what we've done as a fan base, right? We have kind of we've kind of broken it down into there's fans that are Team Audric and fans that are Team Logan, right? And 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 no, 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 Audric should be the guy. No, 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 Logan should be the guy. No, 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 Tyree should be the guy. No, wait till Jadarian Price comes back. Look, the reality is, is Audric and Logan are both going to be the running backs this year. They're both going to play a ton. And, and in my view, it should be just like it was this year. Ride the hot hand, number number two, actually. But number one is, what concepts are going to work best for you this week? And who runs those the best? Because if Notre Dame has a more diverse ground attack this year from a concept standpoint, and again, I'm not talking about adding 13 run plays. I'm just saying, don't just be duo you know, 75, 80, 90% of the time. Be more balanced with duo, inside zone, outside zone, You know, maybe some buck sweep, some counters, some things like that. Maybe this week, like, look, we're going to run duo a mess this week. So this is going to be an Audric game, an Audric then a Logan game, right? And Chris Tyree is a change of pace. Or, hey, this is a game where we got to really hit our movement stuff. Well, that's something that I think Logan does better than 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 Audric. Like, I I think Audric is a better duo runner, although I think they're both very good at it. But I think Logan's the better zone runner, which we saw in the bowl game, in my in my view, because he's just a little bit smoother to hit that cutback. Now they're again, they're both good at it. Chris Tyree is the best zone runner they have because he can turn a little crease into a 90-yard touchdown, which we've seen him do before. So I think that those are the things that are going to factor into it, Ryan. So I don't think there's like this battle. I think they both need to stay healthy. They both need to continue to enhance their, their fundamentals and technique, be more sound. Audrick's got to do a better job of holding on to the football. Logan's got to get a little bit more consistently physical in the pass game, you know, you know things like that. And so – I think those are the things those two need to be worried about. I don't think they need to be worried about who's 1A, who's 1B, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who starts. What matters is, are they both playing at a high level at the same time, and can they ride both of them in the fourth quarter? Because I felt like at times in the regular season, they would kind of use Logan and Tyree early, and then Audric was sort of the put the game away in the fourth quarter thing. But then I thought you missed some opportunities to use him to really hammer the teams early. In the bowl game, we saw them use both of them in the second, in the fourth. We used them, saw them use all three of them in the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter. And I think that's the way to go. Don't have a first half back, a second half back. These are your dudes. Use them both throughout the game. And I think that's going to be good for Audrey because I still wonder what his work volume is like. And not that he can't take punishment, but he seemed to, if he got too many touches in a row, his legs seemed to got to get a little heavy last year. And I wonder if because he's so muscular, maybe he doesn't quite have the same endurance level that another guy has. I'm curious about that. Or it could just be first year playing a lot in two years because he didn't play a ton the year before. And then as a senior in high school, only played like eight games because of COVID. And he didn't even play full games in most of those because he was so dominant that year at St. Joe. So it could have been something. It could have just been a conditioning thing, Ryan. A guy hadn't played a ton. It, it could have been that. But 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 I am curious about that. I don't know if you notice the same thing, but at the end of the day, they're all going to play. 
And and that's the key. So I don't even view this as a position battle. I because I, it's irrelevant to me who takes the first snap. And I think it'll be a different back each game, depending on different matchups. And honestly, you want to keep them all happy. That's exactly what you do. You mix it up certain games. Audric starts this game. Logan starts this game. And then other games, you start two of them. You know, Logan and Tyree or Audric and Tyree, because you start to game out 21 personnel. I think that's the way that it should go. I don't think this should be a quote unquote battle unless one guy is just not having a good spring. That would yeah. be the only thing I would say. Well, I think that the one movement we've seen in the NFL that has trickled down to college football to a pretty large degree is like that there's not a ton of teams anymore that are just like one true bell cow. I feel like you see that more on the college level still a little bit, but man, the, the game is just going so much more to like a committee approach, you know, multiple skill sets, being able to mesh those things really well. And I don't know why you would limit yourself, right? Like you're, you're looking at it and you're just like, Aldrich Estime is that 227-pound hammer that has better feet in the hole than you would anticipate. Logan Diggs has a good all-around skill set to do a variety of things. Chris Tyree has game-breaking potential. If Jadarian Price gets back healthy, then you're like, that kid's another you know, home run waiting to happen in multiple ways. And then you have J- uh, Jabron Payne, who's another nice all-around back. And then not to mention... You know, not in the spring, obviously, but you know, in the fall, you're going to get a or in the summer, I should say, you're going to get a Jeremiah Love coming in as well. So you have so many different skill sets. I think that for me, like if I'm an offensive coordinator, man, I want to take advantage of these multiple skill sets as much as possible. Like 21 personnel, get different backs in the game in different spots. You know, is there a one running back that really? really takes the passing game to the next level. Like, is there, you know, just, I feel like departmentalizing those strengths are the biggest thing for me. And like, I, I'm a big Audrick Estime fan. I'm also a Logan Diggs fan though. And like, I, you know, even if I prefer one to the other, it's like, why would I not want that other guy coming in fresh when one guy's getting a little bit, you know, a little bit run down. Like, I think it's irresponsible to a degree. If you have these three great assets at running back, to just say nope, I like that guy better. I, I hits my guy. The other guys, I don't care if they're if they're good right. football players. I just want my guy in the game. No man, like, can we get multiple skill right. sets on the game? Can we make it less predictable what you're going to do offensively? That's what I want to see. And you have two studs in the. I mean, literally combined, what did they run for? Like seventeen hundred yards last year oh, between yeah. Diggs and Estime. Yeah. Like they were over seventeen. Yeah, yeah, they were a fantastic duo. So they should play a lot. I need to figure out how I'm going to use Chris Tyree better. So maybe that's something spring that I'm focusing on. But that's not a competition thing. That's a me figuring out offensive identity and starting to lay that groundwork type of thing. All those three, all those three running backs should be heavily involved in the in the in the offensive attack this year. If it's not, I do think it's a little bit irresponsible not to use their skill sets. Agree, and, and I think too is imagine being in a team in the fourth quarter and they're all three fresh, still fresh. Right. I mean, that's just that's where you want to be, not where you wore Logan down and now you've got to ride Audric and Tyree in the fourth quarter or or pick any option that you want to have. Right. Well, what if Logan gets what if Audric gets hurt? What if he sprains his ankle and, and now all of a sudden Logan's worn out? And you, no, look, use them all throughout the game. Keep those guys fresh and then just hammer teams in the fourth quarter. And and that's kind of what I want to see from this unit. So that's <clears throat> that's kind of where we're at the, the backfield aspect of the position battles, Ryan, is are they battles? In theory, yes, but I just don't view them in the same way as others where you're just – there's an uncertainty of who's going to be the guy. Right. At quarterback, you know who the guy is. It's just whether or not somebody else can just surprise us and beat him out. Another talented player can beat him out. At running back, it's, it's – uh, I don't care who starts. They're all going to play. 
So they're not the same kind of position battles. I, I, get, I guess one thing that could throw a wrench in is if like if Jadarian Price was fully healthy, like is he competing for the third volume getter? Is he competing to push for more reps? You know what I mean? But like with him still coming back and getting fully healthy, that's just not really a conversation piece right now. Yeah. Next next conversation, Ryan, I want to jump into is a wide receiver because to me there's three position battles going on at wide receiver. And 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 I'll even put an asterisk at the end of that that it, they're even battling against other position groups, and we'll get into that. But I, I think we kind of sit here today and we're kind of thinking, well, you know, you got Colsey, Merriweather, and and uh and Jaden Thomas at, at starting receivers. There's a lot of people think. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's I, – I could see two of those guys not starting, and I could put, I could see a scenario where three of those guys are not starting, if we're going to be honest about it, right? I think at least at least one of them starts, potentially two. And I could see a situation of all three, but the fact of the matter is right now heading into the spring, I don't think anybody has a spot locked down. And I'd say the guy that has the best chance to lock a spot down based on how the season finished is Jaden Thomas. But even there, as we'll get into here in a minute, that could get a little bit – interesting too where i want to start however ryan at the positions the receiver positions is the boundary i think this is the most interesting position battle on offense in the spring for me so you've got multiple players are going to be in the competition for it right you could see tobias merriweather there you could even see a scenario where jane thomas plays there i hope not i think he's i think last year proved that he's a much better slot field guy than he is a boundary guy I think it's going to come down to, however, Caleb Smith, the transfer for Virginia Tech, and Deion Colsey. Now, if you look at last year, Ryan, in the in the games I broke down, Caleb Smith played the vast majority of his time in the boundary. I think he can play all over, and I'd like to see him play all over. But Virginia Tech used him primarily as a boundary guy. And you know what? You get to the point where if if Caleb Smith is your starting boundary receiver – you have a pretty good football player there and a significant upgrade over what you had most of last season because you have a guy that caught 37 passes for over 600 yards, quality route runner, great hands and concentration. I mean, he caught so many balls where it's like the quarterback would – it's like the quarterback last year, the kid that transferred from Marshall was weird. He would throw some dimes, and then he would just throw a bunch of what the heck was that. But when he threw, he'd throw some dimes, and, and or maybe Caleb Smith made it look like a dime by how he was able to position his body. And it's great body control, uh, pretty good catch radius, not elite, but his timing as a, as a snatch and, you know, fighting for the ball is really good, you know, because he doesn't get great separation, uh, 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 you know, for me, but he just, he doesn't need it. He because he he's so good at contested catches. He's so good at I call it boxing out, Ryan, on like stops and comebacks and ends where he can kind of position himself in between the defender and the ball. He's got kind of a wide upper body, so he's not an easy guy to kind of reach around and knock the ball out of. He does a good job of extending his hands to catch the ball in those situations. So he's a really good, dependable player. And if he's your best W going into the fall, it's an upgrade over what you had and a guy that has shown. He can be a quality football player. And and with a quarterback like Sam Hartman, as opposed to what he had at Virginia Tech last year, you know, he has a chance to, to be a far more productive player than he was at Virginia Tech. He's not a world beater, but he's a really good, solid football player that would, to me, could be similar in production numbers, if he's the guy, to what Miles Boykin did in 2018. 50-some catches, 
800 some yards, eight, nine touchdowns. I could easily see him be that kind of player, Ryan. So I think right now, if I were to say, okay, who's the leader in the clubhouse? I'm, I'm almost always going to go with the veteran because that's just how coaches usually do it. Uh, the vet, Day one, the veteran's going to start. And so it's going to be interesting, but he's going to be battling with Deion Colsey, who is, in my opinion, easily the more talented player, but the less experienced player. That battle, to me, Ryan, is going to be really, really interesting. Well, and it's fascinating, too, because Caleb Smith's the more, much more experienced football player, but he's also coming into a completely new situation, too. You know, it's it's like it's not like just like apples to apples and kind of that conversation. Like he's a player that's coming into a new situation. He has to learn the offense. He has to do that kind of transitional stuff. And Dion is a young man that it was a, it was tough for him to begin the year last year, you know, having the injury and coming back slowly. And during the later stretch of the season, you're like, okay, I see it now, you know, like Dion's starting to get more confidence. Cause that was one thing that I wanted to see from him all year was like, get that six, five, 207 pound athletic wide receiver, get him confident, man. And get that competitive nature. Keep working here. Cause if he hits a ceiling, man, he has the potential to be special. He truly does. Right. And I think that this competition is going to be really awesome to watch because if I'm Caleb Smith, I'm like, you know, as a competitor, you look at Deion Coles, you're like, wow, that kid's really good, man. He's really talented. That dude has, I got to bring my A game every single day. And then if you're Dion, you're like, well, that, that guy's good. And he's played a lot of football. So he knows what he's doing a little bit. And that's one thing that I lack right now is that I need to still figure out what I'm doing all, all the time. I need to get more experience. So I feel like it's a really fascinating battle because they are a little bit of opposites in their experience, but also one brings something to the table that the other one doesn't really have, you know, Dion's lack of experience. And then Caleb can look at Dion and be like, man, that needs to, that needs to get my, my juices flowing a little bit to compete, compete every single day as best as I can. So I think that they're going to push each other to a wide degree. And I'm excited to watch that one. That's actually one of the, on both sides of the ball. That's one that I'm probably most excited to see because like you said, Brian, there's no wrong answer there. They're both good football players. One has a higher ceiling. I think that's pretty obvious. But at the end of the day, both of those kids can make each other way better for different reasons, which is vital. And ultimately, you can get into a little bit of a market share situation even if they're both playing well. It's like, hey, man, we can rotate those guys a little bit. Like, It doesn't have to be just one boundary and then a clear backup. Like, Maybe they both get a lot of reps. Like, You know what I mean? Well, they're both going to play in my view, Ryan. There's no question they're both going to play. It's not a – if well, it better be that way, and I think that Chancey Stuckey is going to be that way. It's from what I heard, it's what he wanted more of last year. He just didn't get his way, and then of course the injury set in, and it didn't matter. But if Caleb Smith's the starter, Dion's going to play. There's no question about it. Where I'm at is, I, I think going into the spring, I'd give Caleb the edge from an experience standpoint. Then Dion has the talent. Uh, but here's the thing for me. If you're going to talk about, you know, what are you rooting for? I'm rooting for them both to play well. Because to your point, if if that's the one-two punch you have the boundary and they're both playing at least good football, you're set at the boundary. Absolutely set at the boundary. Because they do have a somewhat different skill set in some areas, but there's a lot of complementary skills to them where the differences are sort of, this guy's just a little better at this than that guy is. It's not like you've got Kevin Austin in the boundary on one snap 
and then you've got, I don't know, Caleb Smith or not even Caleb Smith because they kind of used him like Kevin Austin, but you know, uh, Lorenzo uh, Styles. Or yeah, something. I mean, like just a completely very different, different type yeah. of skill set. I was trying to think of somebody from the past. You know, uh, Javon McKinley and Kevin Austin are different players, right? Like, but there's similarities. You, but you, what you don't want to have is, you know, Kevin Austin and Robbie Paris. You know, we're just completely <laughs> different skill sets, right? You've got two kids where one guy's better than the other, but there's a lot of similarities. And so, you know, I think those are the things that I look at and say, hey, they're both they're going to be good there if they both play well. But I will say this. When it comes to the, the boundary position, my hope, and it's a twofold wish, my hope is that Dion seizes hold of this job. Not that Caleb doesn't play well, but Caleb plays well. But Dion says, nope, this is my job. And here's why I say that. If Dion wins this battle, it means, number one, he's starting to tap into that full potential, number one. Number two, uh, and that means, you know, number one means he's going to potentially be a breakout player. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to be really good in the boundary. Number two is the more that Dion's willing to take the W, the more you can then use Caleb Smith in other situations. Because there's some stuff like in 12 personnel, I would be – prone to say if if Dion's the starter W there's going to be times out of 12 personnel I'm using both of them one's at X and one's at W because Caleb does bring some big boy downfield skills to the table that I think could really be effective in certain 12 personnel situations where you want to run some play action downfield shots you get two big trees on the outside that are strong and thick and, and so I think there could be situations where they play together, but I can use Caleb Smith in, in a lot of different ways if Dion's my guy, my number one in the boundary, where Dion's a W. I mean, that's just kind of what he is. It, but if Caleb's your one and Dion's scored to play maybe 35 to 40% of the boundary snaps, I don't know if you can use Caleb Smith or, as much around other places. So those are really the two reasons that I'm hoping that Deion Colsey ends up winning the job as far as being the guy where, okay, he seized it. Cause anytime you have a position battle run, you want someone to seize it. You don't want anyone to win by default. Right. And if Deion seizes it, I think that makes the receiver core so much better and allows you to do so much more with Caleb Smith. Well, I was going to say that, and you just kind of hit on it a little bit, that it's the worst case scenario for me that if Caleb Smith wins the job because he wasn't really threatened, you know, if Deion Colsey wasn't up to the challenge and he wasn't competitive and he just kind of shied away from that competition, like that's the worst case scenario, man. Because again, it's no shot against Caleb Smith, talented player. And I do think that if he is the starting boundary receiver, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But for me, it's like Dion needs to play. But if Dion gets like thoroughly outplayed where you're almost looking like Caleb Smith has to play the majority into the boundary, I think that that's a very bad sign that Dion just wasn't up for the challenge, man. Wasn't ready to, to take advantage of the opportunities in front of him and shied away from that challenge, you know? And, and I think that for me, I want there to be heavy competition I want Dion to put his best step forward. I want Caleb to rise to the challenge as well. I just want those two guys to make themselves better because if Caleb Smith wins the job just because he's a senior, that's that's really a bad sign for the development of Dion Colsey, in my opinion. It's either a bad sign for him or a bad sign for the coaching staff that they're kind of still doing the same old, same old. Yes. They're just playing the veteran, and that would be a bad sign. I don't think that's going to be the case. 
here. And and so I do think that they'll play the best guy, but Dion's got to be the better guy. You, you don't, here's the thing fans got to understand. You will play a guy because of his potential. You will, and you should. What you don't do is start a guy over a, an experienced player because of potential. At some point in time, you've got to prove yourself. And I think that's kind of where, where where sometimes we get a little bit lost in, in in this conversation about, you know, where a guy, where a guy, oh, this guy should play because he's so talented. Well, th- there's a point in time where you got to prove it to a degree. But then the flip side argument that they've the issue that they've had in the past in their name is, uh, it's like how do you prove it if you don't play him at all, right? And, and so I think that's kind of where they're going to be. But if Dion. If Dion doesn't compete with Jaden with uh, Caleb Smith this this uh, spring, it's going to be very disappointing. But I expect them to. I mean, from everything I've heard, I expect them to. And I think you nailed the, the the confidence part early, Ryan. That's the big thing with Dion. He needs to to kind of have a little bit of a push. You know, I think Dion's a kind of a quiet, really smart, intellectual kid that maybe doesn't always understand just how good he can be. Yeah. but also how hard he has to push himself to get to that level. I think last year with all the adversity he faced was a little bit of a wake-up call for Dion, and we saw him play with a little bit more swagger late in the year. Now he, now he's got to refine the technique, right? That's the thing that hurt him in the bowl game is he's playing against some pretty good corners, and he wasn't doing a good job getting off press and really battling for the football. That's the next step he's got to take because he was kind of the guy in the bowl game, and I didn't think he played that well. So, again, learning experience for him. Now he's got to take it to that next step. The other position battle, Ryan, is going to be the, the field receiver. And this one is going to be very interesting because I think we're all assuming that it's going to be Tobias Merriweather. Now, I think that's who it's going to be. But Lorenzo Styles, if he gets his head on straight, is still a really talented player that that could compete with anybody for playing time and to be he has he still has the guy potential, Ryan. And so I'm going to be very fascinated to see this field receiver battle play out in the spring between Tobias and Lorenzo and to see if, if Tobias is able to take that sophomore jump that Lorenzo couldn't take. I'm very fascinated by this battle because you have arguably the two most talented returners on the team are the two guys that I think are going to be competing for this exposition. And that is Lorenzo and Tobias. This one's even more fascinating because they're completely different players that you're going for one position, right? Like you said that, you know, Deion Colsey and Caleb Smith, they're different, but they have some similarities that you can kind of fall to, right? That you can point out and say, like, you know, they both do that well. They're both taller guys, physical, catch point guys, all that stuff. Lorenzo Styles and Tobias Merriweather, they're both a little bit, I guess, sleek. We can call them sleek. But besides that, like they play completely different. I mean, Tobias is a six four kind of long stride guy, can run routes, has a little bit, you know, that uh, that like longer stride to him that he can really kind of take people off guard a little bit, working vertically. Lorenzo's more of that six one in and out of breaks after catch type of dude. He's just a little bit different stylistically. So it's going to be really fascinating because usually you can kind of compare styles really quickly and be like, you know, that guy's just doing that better. He's doing that better. But whoever ends up in the field spot, you're going to look at and say, you know, depending on who wins the starting spot, we're going to ask them to do a little bit something different than maybe what the other guy's going to do, right? Like you're not going to ask Tobias to do all the same things Lorenzo does. You're not going to ask Lorenzo to do all the same things that Tobias Merriweather does. So I think offensively from a, you know, just a, 
play calling installation perspective, the offensive coaching staff needs to understand that like, Hey man, we have two very different options here and we need to understand what their, what their strengths are, obviously, depending on which way it goes as far as who's the volume getter in that group. But regardless, man, I want this to be a big opportunity for Lorenzo Styles to show me that you could put stuff behind you and now you're ready to compete because we know we didn't have a good sophomore year. We know that it was a big disappointment to us and to Lorenzo as well. So now he's in a situation where you're battling against arguably the most talented receiver on the roster. You have to show up, man, and you need to say like, hey, guys, like, Last year, Lorenzo was not this year, Lorenzo. Like, I need to flip the switch here, and I need to play. Because Lorenzo's in a situation, Brian, in my opinion, that if he gets overtaken, like, easily by Tobias Merriweather, he can get buried a little bit. Like, he's going to play, right? But, like, he could get buried a little bit as far as, like, now those guys – now you're getting, you know, outdone by a sophomore kid that's younger than you. Like, you need to step up to the plate, man. I'm looking for Lorenzo Styles to show me mental resolve this year, man. Put stuff behind you. Let's move forward. Get your spots. Get your volume. Let's go, man. We know you're talented. There was never any question about that. It was here. It wasn't anything with your athleticism. It was literally just in your mind why you didn't have the sophomore year that people thought you were capable of. Now you're going against a guy that is 6'4", long, has the look of a future NFL wide receiver put up or shut up time, man, at this point, Lorenzo. And I hope you have a great offseason, man. It seems like everything that I'm seeing from these videos and such that Lorenzo is putting the work in, that's awesome. Now springtime, going into the summer and the fall, you need to show that you're ready to compete and you need to show that you're ready to to prove yourself as why everyone was so high on you, including myself, last offseason. It, it is going to be fascinating. And again, it's it's one of those things, depending on how it plays out, is going to impact other positions. And the point being is if is if Tobias just takes hold of this one and Lorenzo doesn't really emerge, then it just is what it is. Tobias is that guy. If Lorenzo really steps up and gets back to being what he th- we thought he could be, and all of a sudden you're loaded at X. I mean, just loaded at X. You got two dudes. And it, again, it'll be part of it be matchups. The other part of it is if Lorenzo gets back on track and Tobias still beats him out, you got a potential star there, but it's a lot like the W. Lorenzo is not just an outside guy. And in fact, now, although here's it, well, I'll I'll say not in fact, I'll say this because it's very fascinating to me, Ryan. Lorenzo Styles is a bit of an enigma to me in that his skill set is really perfectly suited for the exposition. He's fast. He is a guy that's not necessarily super shifty. He's a guy you want catching the ball on the run. You want him running crossers, overs, posts, drags, things like that. You, you know, he's not a guy you're going to say, hey, you're a really precise, you know, Reggie Wayne type route runner. At least not yet. And that's really ideally built for the X. But in his career at Notre Dame, he has looked far more comfortable playing in the slot and he's been far more productive when he's playing in the slot. And, and he just, I don't know why that is. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know if it's a lack of coaching and then that coaching from the previous administration kind of wrecked his confidence a little bit. And then he comes out this year and he doesn't play well early. And 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but to me, it's very unique because he looks more comfortable in the slot, but his body and game are really ideally suited for the X. And I, and I'm very curious to see if that changes at all this year, Ryan. Very curious because that's going to help determine if he can be in this battle. Is can he get back? Can he be more comfortable? Because again, the bowl game against Oklahoma State that he where he played great and we, and we got so excited about. He played the slot at that game primarily yep and and so uh that's i mean he he played matter of fact i'm looking at pro football focus right now he played 53 snaps in a slot that game and two out wide last year he played more out wide than he did in the slot it, it wasn't by a ton i mean it was it was it was pretty you know pretty pretty comparable uh but he played probably about twice as much outside but it wasn't like the breakdown between like Jaden thomas and, and and being an outside guy and so that's a the fascinating dynamic to me, Ryan, because you want him to compete outside, but he hasn't shown that he can really be effective there. He's where he's been effective has been inside in the slot. Where was his touchdown against North Carolina? Right up the seam, right? Had a big catch against BYU. Where was it? Right over the middle, right up the seam. That's just where he's looked more comfortable. Does that change this year, Ryan? That's what I'm really fascinated to see from, from Lorenzo. Cause again, He's comfortable in the slot, but his game. You it, please disagree with this if you if you if you if you don't share my opinion. His body type and skill set, to me, speed and all that, is really well suited for the outside position. He just seems more comfortable inside. Well, I, I think I think that his skill set works for both spots. Personally, like I, I I'm not saying it doesn't, and we'll talk yeah. about that at Z. But my point is, he doesn't look comfortable here, even though I think his skill set is really well suited for that. I'm saying he's made plays in the slot. We know he can play in the slot. That's sure. that's not what I'm saying. So I'll make sure that I'm, you're 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 disagreeing with the right thing. I'm just saying I think his skill set is really really well suited for the X, but he doesn't look comfortable there. Well, so please. yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't think. I think the comfort is just based upon his fractured confidence last year, man. Like I, I just I don't know what it was, but you know, literally he had what the fifty something yard catch the first play of the season, and it was just 54. like yeah. yeah. And I mean, what did that end up being? Maybe like it had to be a high percentage of his total for the season <laughs> on one play, like literally the first play of the season, which is just wild. But whatever happened after that, man, it's just like not a lot of effort as a route runner, not a lot of effort as a blocker. Drops, obviously, we you know, pub, you know, everyone saw the drops that were on film. So I, I'm just really curious to see if there's just a different type of confidence this spring because I agree with you that he has the skill set to play well outside. Like there's no doubt about it. He's got that long. I mean, he's six, one solid length. He's got good speed. I, I, everything about him says that he could play outside the numbers and make some plays out wide in, in one-on-one coverage. Like there's no doubt about it. It's just, just, just doesn't it just seems like he's fractured right now, man. Yeah. And that confidence just is not, it's just not there. And I, I think that's all it is. Like I, I, I really, I, I guess my, my point is like that. I, I don't know if it's as, it really has anything to do with skill set. It's more just like, man, when he's not confident, he's just not good. Like <laughs> that's just where it is, you know. Well, it's just like, and, and Ryan, you you do NFL draft stuff. You've seen this yeah. over the years. You you watch a guy and you're like, boy, this guy's got the perfect skill set for X position, but then you yeah. put him there and he just has he just looks lost. Yeah, and you're just like, I I don't understand this. Well, he's played. He didn't play that position in his career. Now you know why his college coaches never put him there. Now, when it comes to Lorenzo being outside, the one thing I don't see him being is a is a one-on-one outside vertical guy on contested throws. 
And that's why I don't see him as a full outside guy. And that's where this, this battle gets interesting. If he starts outside the spring, and we don't know that he necessarily will, but if he starts outside the spring where he, he again, he, he played outside 180 some snaps last year and, and played in the slot around 80 snaps last year. And, and you look at him, you say the, the things he does well, it's a, it is a tad limp. There is a bit of a limit to what he can do. He's never been a great contested catch guy. And that's something that you're going to want to do. So him and Tobias combine, like you had mentioned earlier, they combine to give you everything you need at the outside position. It's just, I don't think Lorenzo necessarily brings all of it together. So for me, if you're going to talk about what my hope is, what's best for Notre Dame, my hope is Lorenzo just balls out this spring. Just like the guy that we all keep hearing about from other players and coaches about how talented he is, that guy becomes the norm of what we see at the X. Lorenzo also has a really good spring because then now all of a sudden you're talking about now Lorenzo's competing at two positions for playing time. And that's at the slot with Jaden Thomas, because here's the deal. Those they're both very talented players. They're the two most productive returners on the roster. N- n- it's not close at, at from a pass catching standpoint. But they're both better suited in the slot, or at least not better suited. They've both been more productive in the slot. Lorenzo, I think, fits both positions really nicely, kind of equally. Jaden's skill set is much better suited for the slot, in my opinion, where he gives you some 12 personnel route options out of 11 personnel because he's a receiver. There's no doubt about that. If, if Loren, like to me, Jaden Thomas is the, the slot. If if Tobias and Lorenzo both have great springs, however, I think what you find yourself in a position where you now have three guys to play two positions. And I think that's where you could really because like, look, let's say let's say that um, Tobias gets 65 percent of the snaps outside. Jaden gets 75 percent of the snaps in the slot. And then Lorenzo gets most of the others. Their overall snaps aren't going to be that different at the end of the game. And so now that talking about yesterday, keeping everybody happy, that's how you do it. But that's going to take Lorenzo to have a really good mental spring to be able to play both of those positions at a high level. Cause if he can only play the slot, then he's going to find himself not playing a ton because Jaden Thomas brings some things to the table that Lorenzo didn't show last year. Mainly I got can block his butt off by the end of the year. And he brings some size and strength to the middle of the field that Lorenzo doesn't. So for Lorenzo's sake, he needs to look comfortable at both because now he can play both. But if he's just going to be a slot, then all of a sudden, okay, you stay in the slot. Now all of a sudden, Rico Flores and Braylon James and Jaden Greathouse are going to get a shot to be that number two behind Tobias Merriweather. So I think that adds to just the pressure that's on Lorenzo this spring. you got to argue the best guy in the, on the roster, arguably, at the X spot. Your most proven returner is playing in the slot, right? You got to figure it out because neither of those guys are going to be easy to beat out. But if you're good enough this spring, you don't have to beat them out because you're going to still be playing a ton. And there'll be times you may be on the field first. But I think that's what's going to be fascinating. Lorenzo is Lorenzo's spring could impact two positions quite a bit, Brian. Because if Lorenzo doesn't have a good spring, hey, great house, let's get you ready to go, man. Or it could be another position, which we'll get to here in a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, I think it's really beneficial too. I mean, you already talked a little bit about, you know, the fact that you're affecting two different positions, but it's also one of those things where, you know, Jaden Thomas ended the year off as your best receiver on the roster, in my opinion, but I also want him to be challenged, you know, like I I think we forget that, you know, Jaden Thomas is only going to be a third year player this year. Like he still needs to be challenged. He still needs to be pushed a little bit. So, you know, the beneficiary of the, the confidence of, Lorenzo Styles is not only just for the offensive play calling, the ability to move him around and to have different type of looks from a from a wide receiver perspective as far as the the different lineups you're putting in there, but also you know, I want Tobias Merriweather as a sophomore to be pushed. I want yes. that to happen. I want Jaden Thomas as a guy that had a lot of confidence in the year to continue to be pushed and continue right. to push himself to the ap- utmost because I don't think we've seen the best of Jaden Thomas yet. I know we haven't seen the best of Tobias Merriweather yet. I don't think we've seen the best of Lorenzo Styles yet. All those guys need to keep pushing themselves because that's the exciting part is that, yes, everyone's talented, but it's all, all still pretty unproven, man. Like, are your leading returning receiver, they were both in the 300-something yard range. Like, they, you need to continue to push these guys because there is a lot of talent, and it's a lot of talent that's very untapped still. Yes, and that's where the receiver position is a strength and a question mark, which is exactly what we discussed yesterday. There's no disputing the talent. I mean, the fact that we have now gotten into three position battles and we've barely mentioned guys like Braylon James and Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse, who are incredibly talented players, says a lot about what comes back. But as you also mentioned, none of those guys are proven. None of them. And even Caleb Smith and what him, he, he, he has over 70 catches and 1,000 yards for his career. But as a fifth-year guy, that's not a ton of production over five years. You know, last year was his biggest amount of production. He had 37 catches for what was like 680-something yards. So the competition to me is going to separate some. We're going to find out who really wants to be great this spring. We're going to find out what kind of attitudes. We know they've got physical talent, Ryan. The question that I have is what's their mindset? Because you and I both know, Ryan, you watch NFL draft. You can watch the kids on film, and you know that this guy's Got all the talent in the world, but he's just going to be a, a a guy in the pros because he just doesn't have. He's just not a dog. He just not a. He doesn't have the. He doesn't have the swagger. He doesn't have the. He doesn't have the compete level. He just doesn't have that. I want to be great. You can see it just screams at you on film. And then you watch him blow up the combine, and you're like, yeah, that was Kevin Austin's issue, in my opinion. Like Kevin Austin just didn't have that. Just that I want to be great attitude, and 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 it, the film showed it. There were flashes of really impressive play, but he just never had that. I want to be great. Like if he played as hard as like some of the other greats that Notre Dame did, this guy might have might have been something. Does Lorenzo have that or not? I don't know. Does Tobias have that or not? I don't know. Does Dion? Does J- Jaden Thomas probably is the guy that showed us that more last year than anybody yeah. late in the year. And so that's the question is. And is this competition is going to bring that out of them one where we're going to know it's going to, I shouldn't say bring it out. It's going to expose them one way or the other. Right. And what I mean, it's going to expose them as yes, this is a dude that we can rely on, or this guy doesn't have the dog in him. He doesn't have that want to, he doesn't have that fire to just go out there and be great and whoop everybody's butt across from them. And it's it, it's not just the battles we talk about, but it's going to be Rico. It's going to be Braylon. It's going to be Jaden Greathouse. It's going to be the tight ends. It's going to be the the twenty one personnel. 
you're going to have all these different factors that are going to be breathing down your neck. How bad do you want this, Lorenzo? How bad do you want this, Tobias? How bad do you want this, Dion? And those are the three guys that I have the biggest uh, question marks about because they haven't shown it. If the or, it, in Lorenzo's case, he showed it in year one, but showed me something completely different in year two. I don't want to see a guy that knows he's not getting the ball or knows he's not the number one or two route just jogging off the line like we saw from Lorenzo last year. Yeah, Nothing infuriates me more than that especially now that you have a veteran quarterback, right? So how how good does he want to be? How good does Tobias want to be? How good does Dion want to be? We're going to find the answer out this spring, Ryan. We will. And I'm looking forward to it. And it's one of the more exciting things to me that you're going to see on that we're going to see this spring is how, what's the compete level? Because not only do you have those guys, but you're going against Benjamin Morrison all spring and Jaden Mickey all spring. And, and maybe Cam Hart, again, I still don't know his his injury status. But you're going to be going up against Chance Tucker. You're going to be going up against some guys who can play. And you're going to have to compete in that way, too. And I think that's something that helped that 2018 receiving core so much with Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin. They had to battle against Julian Love and Troy Pride all spring. And as soon as, as they started winning those battles and beating those guys, you, you could see their confidence skyrocket. Look, dude, I just smoked Julian Love all day today. I just smoked Troy Pratt all day. And then the next day they'd come out and you could just see the confidence growing and growing and growing. That's something I'm really looking forward to seeing this spring. Right. Well, and the kid and the kids that you have questions about what the competitive level is, I would just throw Jade Mickey at them all day. I'd be like, Jade, just talk to him, man. Just talk to him. I want to see how they and, and honestly, it sounds silly, but like I want to see how those yes. guys respond. Like honestly, yes. I want to see Jade Mickey get in their grill and be like, let's go, brother. Like I'm right here. What are you going to do? And right. I want to see if Lorenzo responds. I want to see if Dion responds. I want to see if all these cats respond because that's how you know, man. Like, that's between the lines, like, one-on-one. Like, what are you going to do, man? Are you going to do something about this? Like, what, are you going to do something? And the real competitors will show up. They won't talk back. They'll just show out, and then they'll talk after they make a play. Like, right. that's what the real competitive guys do. Right. I'm looking forward to seeing how many of those guys Notre Dame has. I, yeah. I really am. Because, hey, look, you and I know some of those freshmen have that. Yes. Say, if, if you don't bring that this spring, those guys are going to those guys are gonna say, fine, you don't want to be that guy? Hey, coach, I yeah. want to be that guy, right? You, you don't, I, yeah, you don't, you don't think Jaden Greathouse is ready for the call up if, if he gets that <laughs> opportunity? Like, all right. I'm warmed up in the bullpen, baby. Bring me Seriously. in, coach. I'm ready to go. Uh, and, and, you know, Braylon James is going to bring some of that that top-end speed that Lorenzo does. So if Lorenzo doesn't want to bring it, hey, Braylon, I only need you to do four things. I need you to run go routes, over routes, hitches, and posts. That's it, man. I, that's that's it. That's we're, it. And we're, we're hearing a lot of good things about Braylon James in workouts so far. Yes, so, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. The athleticism is certainly there. There's no yes. question about it. <laughs> So those battles are all going to be fascinating, Ryan. And, and here's another wrinkle to this battle. We we could talk about tight end, and I talked about it in, in, in there. The reality is they're going, they're going to play two tight ends, and 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 Holton Stace is going to get a chance to push Mitchell Evans. There's no doubt about it. I, but I, I do think Mitchell Evans is the clear leader in the clubhouse. I want to look at this from a different angle. We talked about the tight end briefly. We talked about running back. That's the other part of this conversation, is if those receivers don't step up this spring, and Holden Stace just goes off. And Chris Tyree is just making a ton of plays in the pass game. Or Jadarian Price is back, and he's making a ton of plays in the pass game. Or whatever the case may be, the coaching staff may say, hey, you guys at receiver don't want to step up and make plays. That's cool. We're going to go 12 and 21 personnel a lot more this year because we have the athletes to do it. 
I can de- I can design plenty of ways to get Chris Tyree to football on screens and jets and reverses and crosses and wheels and things like that. You guys don't want to you guys don't want to compete. You guys don't want to get after it. That's cool. I'm just going to play these two receivers, these three receivers in a two in a, a, rotate two spots, and I'm going to play Holden Stace a ton, and I'm going to play Chris Tyree a ton, and I'm going to wait, and then when Eli Raritan comes back, whenever that is, I'm going to play him more. Uh, you know, you, you're, I'm going to have options. Shoot, I'll go Logan Diggs and Aldrick Estimate in the backfield and, and 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 have at it, right? So I, I that's another interesting spring battle that these receivers have to be aware of, Ryan, is it, you're not just competing against your position group. You're competing against one of the deepest running back rooms in the country because the better they play and the less you make plays, the more convinced these coaches are going to be like, maybe we should do a lot more 21 personnel. Maybe we should do more of of getting Chris Tyree moving around the offense because he's making a whole lot more plays than these other receivers are, right? And same thing with tight end. So if Holden Stace and the running backs step up and have and do really well this spring, that's another layer to this conversation, Ryan, whether it's Jadarian Price. Again, I don't know what his injury status is or rehab status is at that point in time. The point being, it's not like, well, we're going to have to start three receivers some way, somehow. Nope. This team doesn't have to do that. They don't have to go 11 personnel. I want to see a lot more of it. But if Notre Dame's running a lot of 11 personnel this year, the coaches are either stubborn or the receivers have really stepped up, which is going to make this team really dangerous. And, you know, I had a chance to see a picture today of, of the wide receivers in a recent workout, and they look like they're putting in the work. There's no doubt about that. They definitely look like they're putting in the work. Now we got to see what they do when the, when, the, when the pads come on and they get out there and there's some some live rounds going off. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. But they've got to step up and prove it because it's not just, well, somebody's got to start in the slot. It, it could end up being, hey, nobody outside is stepping up besides Caleb Smith and Jaden Thomas, so we're going to run a bunch of 12 personnel. Simple as that. 21 personnel and just go from there. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, it's, I mean, you you obviously didn't bring Sam Hartman in to just not throw the football around outside a little bit, right? Like that's why you brought the cat in, and I. It's so frustrating because I mean, if I'm looking at this as wide receiver group, man, I'm just like, you all of a sudden went from, you know, scarce last off season to deep in one off season, right? Like you still need to get the numbers up a little bit more, but like all of a sudden, man, you're like. There's some dudes there. There's some absolute dudes, but you need to turn it into production at, at some point, right? Like we saw a little bit of production with a couple of guys last year in spurts, but at the end of the day, 
Notre Dame is not going to be a team, in my opinion. Like, yeah, they're going to play 12 personnel. They're going to get multiple tight ends on the field. But in order to be the best version of themselves, in my opinion, they need to be able to spread the field more consistently. You know, we saw it last year where everything just got so compacted to the middle of the field where it was just like we're running against eight-man eight man boxes a ton and still doing a decent job a lot of the time. But ultimately, you're making it harder on yourself if you're not able to, to spread the field. But to your point, Brian, like what's the point of spreading the field if your wide receivers aren't a threat, right? Like that's just – at some point, if I'm an overhang defender, you throw out a slot receiver out there, and I know he's not getting the football, and I know he's not a, a good football player, he's not making plays, I'm not going to respect that a ton. Like I'm going to start inching it a little bit more so I can get some of that box action. You need to be a threat, right? And if you're not a threat, it's just putting a body just to have a body out there. But I think that Notre Dame needs them to step up. You need the wide receivers to step up because ultimately – Notre Dame is at its best when they are not a predictable offense. Wow, oh, here comes 12 personnel. The next snap, oh, what, 21 personnel. Oh, all of a sudden you're in 11, and now you have three wide receivers on the field that you know are going to create absolute mischief if you're a wide receiver. And then, oh, my God, here we go. Sam Hartman came here for what reason? Oh, now we're running empty all of a sudden, and now there's five receivers on the field. Like, that's the stuff, man, that makes offenses go from good to great, from great to elite. You don't want to be predictable. And if the wide receivers step up, Notre Dame becomes a much less predictable offense because now you can throw so many more things out there that we haven't seen as much over the last couple of years. Like you haven't seen enough 11 personnel. You haven't seen that stuff because there have been some limitations from a development perspective. The wide receivers haven't been ready to do it. I hope that this offseason is a big step forward for this wide receiver room to say, who cares what happened in the past? We're ready to ball out now. Here, here's the interesting thing for me, Ryan, is I agree with everything you just said. However, one thing that you and I have discussed in the past is they didn't use 12 and 21 personnel effectively enough last year, especially 21, because 21 gives you, with Chris Tyree gives you the chance to spread the field more. Last year, 12 personnel with Eli Raritan and Mitchell Evans as the number two or Kevin Bauman did not give you the ability to spread the field because you had to spread the field with your 265-pound tight end. Holden Stace is a little different animal. And if you're going 12 – per, it, it, and again, this assumes that Holden Stace, for the sake of argument, Holden Stace has a great spring. Him and Mitchell Evans both have really good springs. Mitchell's still your guy, but, but Holden's like, hey, I'm pretty good. He is more of a pass catcher type to me where if you put him in the slot, you can do a few different things than you could do with Mitchell Evans last year in the slot, where you were really putting Mitchell Evans in the slot primarily to motion him somewhere to give him some angles to block. Mitchell Evans, to me, is 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 he's really good when he's in attached situations. He can do some stuff in the slot, but the, what he can do from the slot is more traditional tight end stuff. I'm running holding Stace up the seams. I'm running holding Stace on some corner routes. He's going to get there a little quicker. Now, Mitchell Evans runs a good corner route technically, but he gets there a little slower, right? And, and maybe that changes this year when his foot's healed up and he's got the full offseason. Maybe. I'm just going off what I saw last year. The point being, those are two – like Mitchell Evans and Michael Mayer were the same guy. Michael was just older and better at everything. But like same guy meaning the stuff you're using for one, you're using for the other, right? There wasn't a lot of variety to their game. To me, Holden Stace is a completely different type of tight end, in my view, than Mitchell Evans. 
which means there's a little bit more variety. So now my 12 and 21 personnel packages do become ways to spread the field. And so that's where the receivers have to get have to get uh, better because to your point, Ryan, you can't just be a condensed seven, eight man box all the time. You just can't. You're not going to, you can do that against some teams, but you're not going to beat the majority of the good teams on your schedule that way. You're just not. Yeah, I worked against Clemson. Didn't work against Ohio State. Didn't work against USC. What worked against South Carolina? Yeah, they did some 12 personnel stuff, but what they do out of 12 personnel? They got the ball out of the box. They got a ball outside. They motioned guys outside. They spread the field with their 12 personnel. They didn't do it a ton, but they ran a ton of 11 personnel and some 21 personnel in the, in the bowl game. They had South Carolina off balance, and they ripped them up. So to your point, they need to do that more. They, I think, have more resources to do that more this year at receiver, but also at tight end and running back. And that's what's going to be fascinating to see. And so the point is the tight ends and the running backs also are going to challenge the receivers. And if the receivers answer that call, I am, I, you know, I, t- I posted some on the message board the other day. I'm starting to get excited about this offense again. Now that all the coaching BS is behind us. I'm, I, I'm really starting to get fired up because I start thinking of what this team could be. If the receiver step up, step up, they don't have to be golden Tate 2009. They don't have to be Will Fuller 2015. They just have to be good, legitimate weapons. And you can spread the ball around. Maybe Dion's this game and Caleb's this game and Jaden's this game and Tobias or Lorenzo the other game, whatever. doesn't matter. But if they're legit weapons with Sam Hartman, a quarterback, and what they have at the other positions, now you start talking about, okay, uh, this team has a chance to be really good offensively this year. But the receivers, to me, are going to be the key. If they are not, if they do not step up, then the offense will still be good, Ryan. And it'll be a lot better than last year, but will it be championship worthy? That's a much bigger question mark. Sure. And that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. So uh, there's a ton of potential there, but I also, we want to make sure that we're, we're letting people know that it's like, Ryan, you nailed it. It's a lot of unproven talent right now at that position. Those guys got to step up and take their games to another level. Otherwise they're going to be the reason that this offense gets held back. Won't be quarterback. Won't be running back, offensive line, anywhere else. It'll be, it'll be the uh, the wide receiver position, and hopefully that's not the case. But it's it's going to make for a very fun spring, Ryan. There's there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. If you had to predict right now, what would you say would be your eleven personnel alignment? So right now, eleven personnel. I mean, running back, it'd be the Roger Gasmair, Logan Diggs, or some Chris Tyree sprinkled in, right? Obviously, Mitchell Evans would be the number one tight end right now. My three wide receivers, I, I think I do. Right now, I would say for me, Jaden Thomas is absolutely in the slot. There's no doubt about that. So my, to the field, I think Tobias is the guy right now. Or actually, mm, yeah, I'm going to say Tobias right now. And then ultimately, I think it's going to be Dion with Caleb mixed in everywhere. But I think, like you said, I, I think it's a good point that Caleb Smith's going to get an opportunity to win that spot in the boundary early on in in, in this in the spring, especially right. So, but ultimately, when it's all said and done, I do think Dion can take that step to be that guy. So, I guess I'm more towards what most people are expecting. But I'll go Dion, Tobias, Jane at wide receiver, Mitchell Evans, and then whoever your wide running back is is fine with me. Kind of where I'm at. I mean, I, yeah. Jaden, Tobias, Dion. I I think. Actually, you know what? If I if I had to say that, I'd say Tobias, 
Jaden and Caleb Smith. I got to really see it from Dion. I, I do. I got to see it from Dion. But I'll I'll say if Dion is starting at W and Tobias is starting at X, and there's no injuries that re- because that cause that you're coming out of the spring, you're going to see me really fired up about what this offense is going to be. I'm just telling yeah. you right now, if those two guys win starting jobs, I, I think Notre Dame bringing bringing in Caleb Smith not only just for the depth and the good football player. I think he could be incredibly beneficial to Deion Colsey, man. Like, I think that Deion, if he attacks this thing right, Caleb Smith could be a, one of the biggest blessings of this offseason as far as getting the most out of Deion Colsey. I really think that that could be big for him. He was a team captain last year, and he just kind of strikes me as the kind of guy – like, I listened to him in the interview he did with, with Malik and Sean, and he just strikes me as the kind of guy that understands he's got a role to play beyond just what he what he brings as a as – a, I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch that interview by chance, Ryan? You should check it out. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on it. But he just strikes me as a guy, and this is me reading between the lines and read. He didn't say it. I don't remember him saying it. This strikes me as a guy that under he's going to come in and compete. He wants to be the guy, but he also understands I'm here for a year and I need to have and I need to leave an impact beyond just this one year. Yeah. Which means I am going to bring those other guys along. I could be wrong on that, but that's just the read that I got from him. And he, if that's the case, it's going to be impactful to your point. He was such a low risk player, honestly, because yeah, he had production. He brings size. He brings the leadership qualities you talked about. Brian, he also played a ton of special teams at Virginia Tech too. You're just like. Yeah. I mean, at worst, if he's a guy that kind of plays all over a little bit and gives you some some versatility that way, and then also can play special teams and have that leadership quality, like that is just such a bonus to have, man. Like he's really a low risk player, in my opinion. I think that there's, I think that was an awesome get for Notre Dame to get Caleb Smith. Last one, Ryan. This is going to be interesting. We spent a lot of time talking about the skill players. Yeah, there's two guard spots open, and there's a lot of guys battling for them. And that's going to be – you may not say this about a, a guard position, but that's going to be a very entertaining battle, in my in my opinion, because there's so many questions. Does Billy Shrouth break out like everybody's assuming? Does Andrew Kristoffic kind of take that next step as a player? Does Rocco Spindler finally kind of figure it out? Does the new – the change of coaching kind of inspire him to say, hey, I got another chance, you know? Uh, you know, I, I, I've heard that Coach Eastan wasn't very high on Rocco Spindler, probably for good reason, right? But sometimes a coaching change like this can kind of ignite a kid like that to come in and say, hey, I'm going to I got my chance. Now let me go prove something. Does Ty Chan have a jump as a sophomore? Here's a guy that fascinates me a ton. Michael Carmody. I love his physicality. I actually I actually liked what he did in the run game in 2021. He just couldn't pass block on the edge. It just was really not very good in pass pro as in space. But as a guard, I, I think he's got the footwork and the athleticism, but he was down to 280 pounds last year. Can he can he get back his weight back up and, and play? Because I don't care how strong you are, 280, you're going to have a hard time making it through a whole season. Can he get up over 290 and still move? Those are all fascinating questions, Ryan, and, and we don't have a lot of answers this spring. But how, how well that position battle wages and, and how hard it's fought is going to tell us a lot about just how good this line is going to be. It's going to be a good line no matter what, in my opinion. If you're starting Michael Carmody and Andrew Kristoffic, you've got two good, solid players at the very least who have started games. Line's going to be fine. Yeah. But if some of the younger guys, the Billy Shrouths, the Ty Chans, the Ashton Craigs, 
the Sam Pendletons, who is a guy that I'm curious to see how he moves this spring. Cause you know, he's going to be one of the strongest guys on, on, on the interior right away. <laughs> you know, how are those guys going to battle? Because y'all better step up this spring because there's a cat coming in in the fall named Charles Jagasaw that you may not want to have a lot of questions at guard coming into fall camp when Charles Jagasaw puts the pads on. Who's, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And Jagasaw is going to show up at like six, six plus and 325 pounds, <laughs> you know, like he's going to be ready to go, man, to yeah. your point. But it is so fascinating because I, there are so many different combinations that could happen too. It's not even mm-hmm. just like this guy's battling for the right guard spot. This guy's battling for the left guard spot. Like it's, I think it's going to be one of those situations, in my opinion, where it's just like, who are the best two players there? And then we'll figure out how who fits it right and who fits it left. Like, that'll be kind of the least of your concerns at that point. Like, you just need to find the two best players. Andrew Kristoffic obviously has a lot, has experience, right? Like, he started a few football games. He's an older player now, you know, as a senior. But you have a bunch of young guys like the, Billy Shrouds of the world, the Ty Chan. Ty Chan's the one that I have the most intrigue about, to be honest, Brian, because you're. I think that most people think, as of today, that it's going to be Billy Shroud and probably Andrew Christophic, and then maybe that changes sometime during the season. Like I think that's what most people believe at this point. Ty Chan, though, and I, I kind of always go back to when I saw him last fall in practice, I'm just like, that's a grown man. Like I thought he was like a junior when I first saw him. And then I'm like, well, that's Ty Chan, huh? Wow. He, I mean, he's really filled out. So mm-hmm. you, it's a, it's a little bit like the wide receivers. You have a lot of talent inside a guard that are going to be competing for this competition. But at the end of the day, who's going to separate themselves? Who's going to be the competitive person that takes that job? You know, and I really don't care who it ends up being personally. Like, I mean, I would love to see Billy Shroud play, you know, based upon yeah. his high school film and everything. I would love to see him play, but I don't care if Billy wins a certain job. I just want it to be two good football players because you have, it's not like you have two very talented guys and then a bunch of eh, talent, right? Like you got a few guys that you're like, they could play at Notre Dame. They could start at Notre Dame, including a couple of guys that have literally started games at Notre Dame. Right. So, I mean, we're talking about the battle between, Six four three hundred, six four and a half three hundred, six five three hundred. Like they're all equally talented, right? And that's why it makes it so interesting because I don't think I think that there's so many different combinations that it could end up being. Like I'm a, honestly a little bit like unsettled just trying to predict who it's going to be. Like I have no right. idea who it's going to be. It could be so many different combinations, but at the end of the day, Notre Dame has stockpiled a lot of talented offensive linemen. And I think you feel like as long as it's developed properly, Notre Dame's going to be good at guard sure. next year. It's just sure. who is the players that are going to kind of put themselves in the forefront. I, I will say this. I don't care. I, I agree. I get where you're coming from, and I agree with you. As long as two guys win the job. I, I will say this. I I am somewhat hoping that Billy Shrouth wins a job because he's the most talented guy they have. I mean, that, that's my only thing there is. You're right. If he doesn't win a job and somebody beats him out, that guy probably had a pretty good spring, right? But if Billy wins the job, and again, not starts, but wins the job, it's a difference. Somebody's got to start. You got to play five linemen, right? With the exception of one play during the Lou Holtz career in a practice, you always have five linemen on the field. Still one of my greatest Lou Holtz stories. I've told you that one, right, Ryan? But somebody's going to start. But are you starting because you earned it? Or are you starting because of the questionable production we had at the position you were the best you know of that group or you were the least bad 
right? I mean, you're still going to put dudes on the field. My hope is that he wins the job because you, 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 you kind of start thinking like, okay, has the legend become bigger than the talent? That can happen sometimes to younger guys. And so I go back last week and I watched Billy Strauss high school film again. I'm like, yep. Okay. That's, that's why I had him as a top hundred player. That's why I had him as a dude coming out of high school. And you remember the size, the length, the power, the athleticism, the demeanor. Like he was a lot like he was really the only guy in last year's class that reminds me a lot of this year's lineman. Like Ty Chan's strong and physical, but like he was, you know, he put on weight fast. He misses. He was good, but he wasn't quite the destructive force that Jagasaw and Pendleton and Sullivan Absher were this year. Billy Shrouth is that. And so I'm curious to see what he's going to do. And then the wild card for me really is Michael Carmody. I don't know if you ever had a chance to watch him coming out of high school. He was a guy that was really raw because he played basketball, right? He was yeah. he was on – him and his brother were, were part of a basketball team that went to, I think, the state semifinal, state championship game. And so, you know, he's always had – he doesn't have a typical 300-pound body, but I think he can get too close to that. But can he maintain his athleticism? Because he's got a lot of potential if he can – get the weight and strength where it needs to be. He's athletic. He's got naturally powerful hands, in my opinion. Yeah. He moves really well. He's long. You know, he's got the length to play left tackle. He just doesn't have the I, – I wouldn't even say he doesn't have the footwork to play – or the foot quickness, but I just don't think he looked comfortable in space, Ryan, was the thing for me. And his technique was a hot mess last year or in 2021 at tackle. Like, he wasn't getting coached at all. And so he had a chance to play some center this year. I'm really fascinated to see what he can do too. Those are the two guys that I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to. Cause I mean, we know who Andrew Christophic is, right? If Andrew Christophic yeah. starting, you're solid there. You're good there. You're fine. But I'm really curious to see those other two guys and see what they can kind of do this spring from a, just, you know, for different reasons, but I'm really fascinated to see what those guys are going to do. I, I remember, uh, I remember the first game 2021 where Carmody got pushed into, you know, playing time. There was one rep in the run game near the goal line. I forget who it was against, man, but he took this dude into the bleachers on this one on this one run. I was like, "Oh, who the heck is that kid, man?" So, yeah, I think I mean, it was he's, Purdue, wasn't it? And it was it was a home game, wasn't it? I think it was. I thought it was Purdue. You might be I right. Could be I, wrong. I, I can't I could remember. Be I just remember he took someone through the end zone on a drive block, and I was like, now, oh, "It wasn't man. Purdue because they didn't have a quick, they didn't have a short touchdown against Purdue, Ryan." So you, you'd be you. It wasn't that. So 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 sorry, but yeah, yeah, you're fine. So, get back to what you were saying. No, I mean it was just that was a moment where I was like, I I don't know who that kid is, but that's impressive stuff, you know. As I think he was a redshirt freshman at that point, right? Yes, and it's just, he was. And you you look at it, and you're like, that's eye popping. But then, like you said, he just not, he's not a natural on the outside. Like he just right. wasn't. He wasn't comfortable. It wasn't a body type issue. It was some guys are just. They have a demeanor, right? And their demeanor is to play in tight spaces, or demeanor is to be comfortable playing in in, lar- in like larger spaces. And some guys just aren't comfortable playing in, in uh, increased space, and that's fine. You know, you need guys that play in tight spaces in a phone booth, like whatever terminology you want to use there. Regardless, man, he's an interesting cat. There's no doubt. I'm interested to see if Kristofic, after a year of you know you were starting games in 2021 and then you were kind of just a key reserve inside in 2022 what's your competitiveness like this this offseason right are you like dude like this is my last chance like this is all i got you know like because otherwise i got richard freshman and freshman coming from behind me that are like pretty dang good football Mm -hmm. players you know 
And yep. I, so I hope I hope that a couple guys just kind of take hold of it because otherwise I feel like I'm just going to be waiting until Charles Jagasaw gets there in the summer and like, I don't care if he wasn't here in the spring, give him a shot type of thing, you know? So it's going to be interesting though, man, because I think there's so many different layers to this conversation. Cause yeah, like Billy is talented enough to start for Notre Dame, but is he ready to hit that opportunity full throttle and to take advantage of it? Right. How much does Sam Pendleton play into this competition? I mean, he's six, four and a half, 300 pounds coming in already, man. Like he's, physically ready to play but is he ready to play comparative to the other players that are on the roster there's so many different headlines i think inside which is why it's going to be super entertaining you know and it's it's really funny because you have the two offense usually your eyes go to the offensive tackles because that's the sexy positions right but you're just kind of like yeah joe and blake they're there zeke Carell's in at center who's going to be starting at the other two spots though and we're I mean, we're talking about what five or six guys that could be starters inside a guard it's going to be fascinating, man. It really is. Yeah, I'm. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they're going to be able to do next year. I, I really am. There's, like you said, Ryan. There's some dudes. There's definitely some dudes there. It's just about whether or not they can be the guy. You know, that's gonna that's gonna be the key. So, uh, very much looking forward to the guard battle because uh, look, and and that's kind of you know we've talked about this before too, Ryan. Is you want to be in a position where you're not relying on this guy needs to step up or we're in trouble. You you don't want to be in those situations. You really don't. That's when you can get in trouble as a football team is boy, if this guy, man, I really hope that, that Billy Shrouth steps up. Cause if not, the next best option is someone who just, we don't think can play. That's not where they are. It, 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 it and, and it's a good place to be. You want to be in a position where, man, like you said, to start the whole thing off, I don't care who starts. Because they're all good players, and and that was kind of where you know where you took it was was that right there is I, I don't really care who starts, and you, you get to that point in time you start feeling pretty good about uh, about where you are. So I, I'm looking forward to that one, very much looking forward to it. Oh, it was uh, Carmody did that to Jermaine Johnson. That's what it was, yeah. man. I was like, because I remember I was, he did like it against a good player. I'm watching the highlights, yeah, yeah. Like they kind of they player. had an initial bit of a you know he he kind of. Didn't move his feet at first as a, in a typical Jeff Quinn offensive line fashion. He just kind of caught Johnson and then started to push him and just pushed him right into the end zone and buried him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, uh, it, it was, it was, yeah, I remember that play now. That's a pretty nice early play, man, against a future first round pick. So yeah, yeah. not yeah. bad, not bad. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So that's going to do it for the position battles, Ryan. I think it's a very interesting conversation. There's going to be a lot of different ones to look at this spring. I mean, just a lot of different battles. And then, you know, who is that guy that we didn't talk about today? Is it Ashton Craig? Is it Pat Coogan? You know, is is it Tosh Baker somehow? You know, I mean, is it is it Kevin Bauman breaks out at tight end? Is it is it who who is that guy? Is it is a freshman at receiver that just is like, sorry, dudes, I'm sorry. I know you guys are veterans and all that, but mm, sorry. You, you know, I'm taking this. That's what's going to be – that's what I love about the spring and something I'm very much looking forward to on the Notre Dame offense. And, and hopefully those guys are given the opportunity. That's going to be a big part too, Ryan, is is this new staff going to be like the old staff and just play the veterans or are they going to play the best players or give the young guys that have more talent the opportunity to prove themselves to be the best player? That's going to be a very interesting part to this whole this whole dynamic. 
So that's going to do it for that part of the show, folks. We're going to go on to Mailbag next. Before we do, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast, we would love a five-star review. We greatly appreciate those. And if you and if you have not done so, sign up for the CFB Nation podcast app as well and check out the CFB Nation YouTube channel. Uh, the guys have a new show up today. They talked about Texas's quarterback situation, Arch and Quinn Ewers. They talked about a quarterback transfer portal that they expect to happen in May. Uh, talked about um, uh, just some quarterback battles for the spring. So you definitely want to check out the Bill Bender and Bill Trochi of Sporting News. They had that show and they had somebody, uh, Chris Hummer from 24-7 Sports was their guest today to talk about those things. So uh, Chris joined them. They're having a lot more guests on this summer, just d- looking at different teams today. They, or yesterday we published it today. They looked a little bit more at Texas. And so uh, very interesting stuff, very, very fascinating stuff. And I always encourage people, you can't know if Notre Dame is here, here, here in regard to building to be a championship team if you don't know where everybody else is. And that's why I say it's important to to make sure you're staying locked in with, with what other teams are doing as well. And if you, you know, we got this cool merch. Ryan and I both got, well, his hat's available in the store. I got this one, got the polos, all those different things. If you, if you haven't bought any gear from Irish Breakdown, check it out. We have our merch store down in the bottom. If you have uh, signed up for the message board and never used it, you got an email from me with a 10% discount or a 20% discount in the entire merch store. If you're thinking about signing up for message board at Irish Breakdown, like boards at IrishBreakdown.com, and you'd like some merch stuff, don't buy merch until you've signed up for the message board. Because if you sign up for a monthly membership, you get 10% off your entire next purchase. If you sign up for an annual membership, you get 20% off your entire purchase. If you join the Shamrock or Blue Clubs, which are sort of our booster clubs, you not only get the membership and the discount, but you also get a free IB Club mug. If you sign up for the Gold Club, which is the highest level, you get the annual membership. You will also get the 20% discount to the entire purchase, and you will get a IB club mug and an IB gold club shirt that is only goes to people who are in the club. I don't have one. Ryan doesn't have one. Vince, Sean, the other Sean, none of us have that. It only goes to members of the gold club. And so you'll definitely want to check that out. It looks like this. You can get it in different colors. And then underneath it, it says gold club and our, uh, our typical, uh, the, the font that we use for our different stuff. So definitely want to check that out as well. And you find that at the Irish breakdown store. And as always, thank you for listening to the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com